This week, Bosch Health affirms IPO of subsidiary Solta still a priority as company fights over venue and spin-off fraudulent transfer action. Sequoia Capital pushes for reduction of Twitter take private share price. Reorg publishes analysis of Telesat and holds webinar on Talon RSA. Hello and welcome to the Reorg Podcast, where we bring the latest developments in high-yield distressed debt and bankruptcy. I'm David Zupkis. We'll be taking a brief memorial weekend break from our deep dive segment. We'll be back next week with more premium content. It's Friday, May 27th. On Tuesday, at a presentation at the Barclays Leverage Finance Conference, Bosch Health CFO Tom Vodek has said that following Bosch and Lom's IPO, the proposed IPO of Salter remains an objective for the company. He noted that the Remainco, which included Bosch Health and Solta, is approximately a $4.5 billion revenue business, had EBITDA margins in the mid-50s, and has free cash flow conversion of approximately 80%. Vodek has said that the company had flexibility to monetize an additional 10% of Bosch and Lom equity, and that its capital allocation priority remains the same. The second priority is investment and growth, he added. Separately, Bosch Health and Bosch and Lom argued in a brief file last Friday that the Bosch and Lom spin-off fraudulent transfer action should stay in a New Jersey federal court because sending the action back to state court would allow the plaintiffs to make an end run around discovery rulings in the federal valiant securities fraud action in violation of the Securities Litigation Uniform Standards Act, which requires that most federal securities law claims be coordinated in a single federal court. The plaintiffs, who are seeking up to $4 billion in securities fraud damages from Bosch, request that the federal court send the fraudulent transfer action back to state court because SLUSA does not apply to actions to declare that a transaction is a fraudulent transfer under state law. Specifically, the plaintiffs assert that they do not need to prove their underlying securities fraud claims in the fraudulent transfer action because Bosch Health will be insolvent after the spinoff without taking their claims into account. Bosch Health and Bosch and Lom responded in their opposition brief that the fraudulent transfer action, if not coordinated with the securities fraud action, would undermine discovery decisions in the latter case. According to the defendants, in July 2021, certain plaintiffs in the ongoing coordinated securities fraud lawsuits began trying to use the spinoff as a point of leverage in the litigation by, among other things, seeking discovery related to the spinoff. Sequoia Capital, which has committed $800 million in equity toward Elon Musk's proposed take private of Twitter, is pushing for a reduction in the proposed sale price of $52.40 per share, given recent volatility in the public markets and uncertainty among other potential equity investors in the deal, according to sources. At the original $52.40 share price, just 50% of the equity group remains committed to funding the deal, though with a roughly 20% reduction in share price, the full group would remain committed, the sources said. Given the execution risks surrounding Musk's proposed growth plans, as well as substantial increase in Twitter's leverage post-transaction, investors are also weighing risks around the eventual exit, the sources said. According to materials distributed as part of the direct equity fundraising efforts that were reviewed by Reorg, Morgan Stanley, Musk's advisor in the Take Private Deal, and Musk are projecting that renewed emphasis on improving the product will drive significant user growth over the next three years. The materials show users growing from $275 million in 2022 to $500 million to $600 million by 2025 and more than $700 million in 2026. Revenue, meanwhile, is projected to increase to $9.2 billion in 2025 under a conservative case and $13.2 billion under a management base case from about $5.1 billion in 2021. EBITDA for 2025 is projected at $4.2 billion and $6 billion in the conservative case and management base case, respectively, compared with about $1.5 billion in 2021. Morgan Stanley has underwritten its investment to two times to four times exit multiple, with upside above four times in certain scenarios. Separately, Musk reported in an SEC filing that he committed to provide an additional $6.25 billion in equity financing to fund a portion of the merger consideration, increasing the aggregate equity commitment to $33.5 billion. 
The filing says that Musk is seeking and may receive additional financing commitments, which may replace portions of the existing package. In addition, Musk is engaging in discussions with certain existing holders of common stock, including Jack Dorsey, regarding the possibility of contributing shares to the acquisition vehicle at or immediately prior to closing of the merger in order to retain an equity investment in lieu of receiving merger consideration. Buick this week released an analysis of Telesat, the Canadian company whose restricted group entities since 2019 have contributed 1.25 billion Canadian dollars of cash and at least 1.6 billion dollars Canadian of other assets to unrestricted subsidiaries housing the company's next generation low earth orbit or LEO satellite constellation project Telesat Lightspeed. The extent to which Telesat's legacy restricted group creditors might benefit from Lightspeed remains in question as the project faces supply chain driven cost increases and delays along with an increasingly competitive LEO satellite marketplace. Beyond extending the timeline of its estimated global service date to roughly 2026, the effects of industry-wide supply chain cost increases and delays on Lightspeed include continuing uncertainty in Telesat's pursuit of financing for the constellation, fewer satellites in its constellation plan, and a more complicated path to maintaining its regular allocated spectrum. Of these, funding from export credit agencies, or ECAs, on which other significant Lightspeed funding sources are contingent, remains at the largest missing piece. Following a fall pause in ECA conversations and re-engagement in April, CEO Dan Goldberg said on May 6 that he hoped that by the end of June, Telesat will have a pretty good sense of where we're sitting with the ECAs. As to constellation size, Telesat disclosed plans on May 6 to decrease constellation from 298 satellites to 100, 188 satellites plus 10 in orbit within the same $5 billion capex envelope. Lastly, Lightspeed's Federal Communications Commission, or FCC International Telecommunications Union, or ITU, spectrum authorizations require that it meet certain launch thresholds beginning in 2023. Rierke has reviewed the company's legacy debt documents to determine whether they allow for flexibility to transfer additional assets to unrestricted subsidiaries housing the company's next-generation low-Earth orbit satellites and to incur structurally senior debt at non-guarantor restricted subsidiaries. To access Rierke's full in-depth analysis of Telesat, please reach out to a Rierke representative. This week, Rierg hosted a webinar on Talent Energy's Chapter 11 filing. The team provided an overview of the company's restructuring support agreement with the Kirkland-represented ad hoc unsecured bondholder group. The Talent RSA contemplates payment of secured claims in full, with unsecured notes claims slated to take 100% of pre-dilution to reorganize equity. Sources of equity dilution include a 12% management incentive plan and a $1.3 billion equity rights offering that is subject to adjustment and to the extent equity is paid out to general unsecured claims. Certain members of the ad hoc unsecured noteholders group have agreed to backstop $1.3 billion of the rights offering. In the webinar, the REORG team also analyzed various factors that could affect unsecured bond recoveries, including the adjustable rights offering that could be as small as $600 million or as large as $1.65 billion, estimated cash generation over the course of the case, and potential litigation recoveries. The team also reviewed potential process risks as the case continues throughout the court. To access the webinar and download the slides, please reach out to a REORG representative. Top press stories this week included SDNY affirms bankruptcy court decision denying automatic stay safe harbor to Murabaha counterparties. Distressed activity gains momentum in U.S. Debt talks develop in Europe as primary markets hiccup. Underwriters offer credit enhancement for Chinese developers in new bond issues. India's stalling IPO market generates direct lending opportunities. District court rejects former SIVA employees' challenge to order finding its fiduciary breach claims against Apollo. SIVA barred by statute limitations. Narcotrust Honeywell debate broken tort system in opening statements for five-day trial on asbestos trust funding dispute. Kathy Ta is out this week, so instead of sunny Los Angeles, the Week Ahead segment will be coming to you from balmy Forest Hills and the Borough of Queens, home to the Ramones, Paul Simon, Peter Parker, and of course, myself. 
On Tuesday, May 31st, we have a final hearing that proposed $5 million dip in the Ector County Energy Center's Chapter 11 case. Direct Energy Business Marketing, holder of a $403 million disputed litigation claim, has objected to the dip from indirect parent in Venergy Thermal Operating, calling it yet another example of overreach designed to advance in Venergy's scheme to sell the debtor's assets in bankruptcy to pay down its own debt. Also on Tuesday, we have a hearing on motions to compel arbitration brought by insured defendants United Healthcare and Humana in litigation with Verity Health, where Humana and UHC have asked the San Francisco State Court to halt the Verity Health liquidating trust suit for hundreds of millions of dollars in damages for alleged price fixing and send all claims against them to binding arbitration. The insurers have argued that their pre-petition network agreements with Verity Health require all disputes between the parties to be arbitrated. Thank you again for listening to this Reorg Weekly Review. Find all our podcasts on the reorg.com webinars and podcast page, as well as Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Amazon. Hope your families are healthy and safe. Have a great Labor Day weekend and see you next Friday.